comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Interstellar. That's one with Bill and Ted, right? That's right. They go to the final frontier. Wait a minute. I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe! Hola! Out Now is a film podcast. Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back into other fun movie topics. This is episode 171. 171. That's another palindrome. There you go. And the main feature for this week is Interstellar, the new film from director Christopher Nolan. And joining us tonight from the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour podcast, he's fallen into a black hole and can't get up. It's Doctor Alima too. Help me, yeah. And <laughs> and from Forbes, he's trying to get an he's trying to account for the inflation after applying relativity to the situation. It's Scott Mendelson. Always a pleasure. It's good to be back. Yeah, yeah, Scott, you've been on some commentaries with us, but you haven't really been on a show proper since Captain America: The Winter Soldier, I believe. Yeah, he's kind of been in the fifth dimension for a while. That's why. I really have. It's a long story. A good story, but a long story. Well, yeah, happy to have you back, and happy to have Dr. Ali back on the show. I'm not going to keep calling you Dr. Ali. That's going to be too much. I'm going to call you Ali. Still. Yeah, let's go with Ali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be on, guys. Uh, good to talk to you guys about this topic. Well, I figure if I have the, psych- the sci-fi psychologist on, I might as well have him on for like a big sci-fi epic like Interstellar. So it just made sense to me. So. It makes sense to me. All right. And you did, of course, put in a valiant effort in games the last time you were on, which, of course, like <laughs> Abe and I used to necessitate the returning of various guests that we have on the show. That is correct. Not going to lie. I-, I was doing some prep. Just to <laughs> any, po- any questions that might be coming up today. Scott just guilts me into it. Scott just picks his, like, pictures of his children is like, please be on me on your podcast. And just say it's like, it's, it's, a, whole Oliver, it's a whole Oliver Choice situation. That's, That's Scott. Always using photos of his children. Um, speaking of children iTunes reviews and ratings, I mentioned that because people in iTunes can be children sometimes. But others are really fun, like the two that gave us new iTunes reviews, Abe. Thank you. Uh, we got uh, we got two here. This one's from Ukulele Hero. Aaron and Abe have great... I love Ukulele Hero, by the way. That's an amazing username. Uh, Aaron and Abe have great guests. These guys know almost everything about movies. I love going to see a new movie and listening to the, hear what they thought. They play some movie games, and it's just a fun show. Uh, the second one's from Animos. Fun way to find out if I should spend money on seeing a click. Give it a listen. And so yeah, that's a uh, two two nice you know short and simple reviews on iTunes. And you know you you the listener, if you haven't done so already, can help us out too. Just log on to iTunes, and give us a new review or rating, a simple sentence just like the one I read, a star rating that would make our sh- you know just help our show out. It would pay, help other people find our show, and you know it's just a great way to support out now here in Indeed. I personally am still waiting for just the the period review. Uh, so whoever does that, good on you. Just a period. Just type a period. Just like the dot, not it like or not the word period then period. No, just just a dot. Okay. It's like the drop mic review right there. It's just like, it's just the stars. That's all you need. We dropped Mike from the show, actually. It used to be out now with Aaron, Nave, and Mike, but uh, it wasn't working out. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. Yeah. Uh, Mike died years ago. <laughs> I was there. Oh. Uh, we have a new commentary coming soon. I'll just tease that out for now. And um, what else? Uh, based on when this show was actually released, I'm going to say right now, Happy Veterans Day. 
I, Happy I, Veterans Day! It's a good thing to say, I think, right? I think so, too, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll get back to that later on in the feedback. But, uh, it's going to yeah. be something pretty neat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for and show notes and stuff. So let's get let's get into this, guys. Let's uh let's go at it. Um, let's do a little know everybody, where each week Abe and I ask each other a few questions and try to set the tone for the podcast and better get to know, know everybody. everybody. Oh, see, Ali remembered. Ali did it, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I get points for that, right? <laughs> I'm not keeping this side tally for Ali. But... He's just really trying to be the next Mike. <laughs> He's a go-getter, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna you don't start. want to know what happened to Mike. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Apollo 19 mission. Oh, man, that was a bad Because you're keeping one. track of Apollo 18, Abe, of course, because you love that so much. Terrible <laughs> <laughs> movie. Um, Here's a movie I haven't thought about in three years. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to start this one off for now, everybody. Uh, what accent or voice would you want your own robot to have? Um, Ooh. Mm. Cockney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty self-explanatory right there. John Hurt. Yep, that's, John Hurt, that's your yeah, answer. That's a good one. That's yeah. a pretty good answer. What about John Hurt doing Cockney? Mm. I've never heard John Hurt doing Cockney, but I that would be pretty interesting. If that was a an option that I could then revert back to standard John Hurt, then yes, I'd be willing to try out John Hurt Cockney. But if, I wouldn't want to be stuck with that as a permanent feature. If there was like a UCB showcase of John Hurt and Michael Caine doing dueling Cockneys, I'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> And Morgan Freeman doing Cockney. Oh, uh, yeah. Because who wouldn't want to hear I mean, that? Clearly. He'd, he'd right? be emceeing, if anything, and he'd like do a little bit before letting the, the surreal stars go on. <laughs> he'd go back to talking about wormholes. He probably would know a lot about wormholes. He, he's been in like three sci-fi movies this year, right? Well, he also has the show where he talks about wormholes, oh. so that kind of helps as well. Right, yeah. <laughs> he is got... Hey, do you have a uh, robot voice you want? Oh, yeah. It'd be Terry Crews, like in the Waze app. They took that off. Oh, they did? I know. That's why I couldn't Put it back on. I was disappointed, too. Yeah, it would yeah, be Terry Crews, though. Okay. <laughs> Why'd they take that off? I, I guess it was a limited time thing. You're up, Abe. All right, question for you guys. Could you go into space after going through a crash course in, I guess, astrophysics, aeronautical engineering, and a bunch of different stress tests? Could you go into space? I mean, Abe, I saw a group of, uh, a, group of a group of oil drillers. Yes. <laughs> go, go through a simple like jump in the pool and take a couple psych evaluations and they saved the whole damn planet so yes is my answer to that question well, roger moore went into space with like no training yeah rod yeah oh roger. yeah he's like oh it's he's a secret agent okay we don't know uh, what he's he's done to to test for that sure we do he's gone skiing he's fought <laughs> off uh, various pe- people on different islands and various space plant bases He's gone underwater a few times. He's scuba dived. He's gotten to tussles involving various types of weaponry. Jetpack. He's had a jetpack. He's, jet he's, he's he's ran across crocodiles, which I think is the most uh, endurance test <laughs> that you can have right there. So he's, I mean, he's light on his feet. He would have been great on the track team. I, I mean, I would go on, I would go on to say we probably had ten different ideas of how James Bond would handle the situation before going into space. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I definitely think the hardest part is going into space. When I visited NASA a few years ago, one of the guys was telling me, uh, he said, uh, you know why they invented the pens? They invented the pens for astronauts because on liftoff, everything sort of just just kind of goes. So I think uh, <laughs> I think if I can overcome the liftoff, we'll be good. I'm just so, glad you're able to talk to the most grizzled NASA employee possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Um, yeah. Assuming I would guarantee to come back in one piece in a relatively timely fashion, yeah, I'd give it a shot. Worst case scenario, I puke my guts out the whole trip and nobody's the wiser. 
Yeah. No. I mean, like, they just be like, oh, Scott, he, he didn't puke. No. Everyone would have your back. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and let's not forget one Mr. Homer Simpson. He nailed it. Exactly. <laughs> Don't open that bag of chips. Watch the ruffled. They'll clog the instruments. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on now. Freedom, uh, terrible freedom. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> we can just quote this whole episode of the Simpsons, but let's not. Let's uh, move on. Let's. Uh, that was a uh, no. Nope. Everybody. Everybody nailed it. We'll just leave good. it there. We'll leave it there. We yeah, know. we'll yeah, pretty good. It, it'll sound better in the in the playback. Which where I do no editing on that whatsoever. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on. Let's go to out now quickies. TM. Each week on out now we have one main movie of the week that we talk about, but we have other movies that we see during the week outside the window. Out now quickies. TM. Nailed it. A lot of nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, have you seen any other movies recently that you want to bring up? I just watched a movie an hour ago. Yeah. Um. So this was uh in a world. Oh, uh, one of my ah, top yes. ten favorites of last year. Yeah, it was great. It, well, it's on it's on Netflix. I've been meaning to watch it. It was sort of in the, my middle of the queue, which is always a bad sign because stuff stays there in a while. But I finally just got around to watching it, and it's uh, it's great. Highly recommend it. Very good. I, I it really is love terrific. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scott, I know you've seen a few films this week. You want to just name just one that you mentioned? Um. Well. Uh, oh, that's somebody else do Big Hero Six. Oh, I saw Kill List documentary. Very annoying. I mean, in a good way. It's a very frustrating documentary. It's basically, it's about a group of, of, of soldiers who were in Iraq, Afghanistan, and basically killed civilians for sport. And the film details the attempts of some of the soldiers that were not thrilled with this practice to try to talk to the right people to, you know, basically be a whistleblower and how they were stymied at every turn. And eventually ended up being indicted for the very things they were trying to expose. So it's frustrating both because you know, the people are committing murder in a war zone, and because the people that were trying to stop it end up being indicted just, and hit just as hard as the people that were actually doing the murdering. Um, it just popped up on VOD um, very recently. It was in theaters this summer. On one hand, it's excellent. On the other hand, there's unfortunately, it's not going to tell you anything that you don't already know. So, yeah. And that film was, again... Uh, Kill List. Kill List. One of the best films of the year, but it probably will be preaching the converted. All right. Mm. Abe. Yeah. Do you see any other movies? I watched Birdman, which uh, is going to come up next week. All right. Yeah. Then I'll jump right into Big Hero 6. Yes! Uh, um, I know Scott and I, we've both seen Big Hero 6. Um, I uh, I like it. I think it's uh, a lot of fun. I think it's a very fun animated adventure film that feels very Disney. And I don't mean that as too much of a slight, but in a world... <laughs> <laughs> where um, okay, I, I was nice, nice three words into that, I was like, I know where I'm going with this one. Um, in a world where we already have The Incredibles, which has not only a very fun family superhero adventure comedy going on, it also has some fairly complex themes and ideas that are really well realized by Brad Bird and his writing and whatnot. Um, who also did The Iron Giant, which Big Hero 6 also kind of leans on. Um, Big Hero 6 is a lot simpler. And for that reason, I don't feel like it stands up as high as some of the other recent Disney animated adventures like Frozen and Wreck-It Ralph. I do, I do think it's a lot of fun. I think Baymax is maybe my new favorite Disney sidekick character, and it's you know it's very lively, it's very colorful, it's very it has a lot of humor. I keep mentioning that because it is quite funny, and it has some emotional beats that work very well in a kind of Disney sort of way. Um, I would certainly recommend it. I wouldn't say I loved it, but I certainly think it's a really fun time to have at the theater. Hmm. What he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I pretty much agree. I mean, I, I think the first 20 minutes when they're establishing the characters are fantastic. And then I think as the film becomes a more 
generic superhero origin story, I go from, oh, God, I love this movie, to I merely like this movie. Um, the characters are wonderful. I'd love to see them in another installment, sequel, TV series, whatever. And I think, intentional or not, I'm going to assume unintentional, it actually works as sort of a, uh, it sort of acts as a rebuttal to the old, you know, Incredibles is objectivist propaganda meme that's been running around for 10 years, in which, you know, these are characters that don't have superpowers and create, you know, superpowered stuff because of their brain and because of their love of science, and they are the heroes of the story which, of course, was very different from The Incredibles, which took some flack in certain circles. We are basically making a villain whose great sin was wanting to achieve superpowers by building it and, and using those powers for personal gain and what have you. But I'm probably thinking way too much about the film. Uh, it's good. It's fun. Your kids will like it. Go see it. There you go. And word on the street is there's a cameo at the end? Or huh? there's a stinger at the end? There's a stinger, yes. Oh, interesting. So, you know, feel free to stay to the end of the credits. As most people, well, a lot of people do anyway. But yeah, do, do that. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I felt dumb for making my daughter stay through for the end of that because the, the 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 end credit cookie was completely lost on her. And if you've seen but the film, I know what I'm you. talking about. Eh, I was indifferent. Okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll tweet at you when I do watch it. I'll be like, you're right, Scott. I know I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what am I? <laughs> All right. So that was that no cookies. Yeah. Let's move on now. Let's get to movie trailer talk, where we discuss one of the newest movie trailers and when it's coming out, what we thought of it, and what have you. This week, fitting with our various sci-fi science discussions, we have uh, Tomorrowland. Uh, this is the new film from, once again, writer-director Brad Bird, who brought us The Incredibles and brought us Iron Giant and brought us uh, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol as his feature film debut. And now he has a new film with uh, George Clooney and um, uh, Britt Robertson. And we don't know too much about this film, even from the trailer. You get an idea that there is a person that travels somewhere else, and it's likely called Tomorrowland, and George Clooney's there. So, there you go. <laughs> Not You're a safe. bad way to go. You're safe. Not yeah. A, yeah, George Clooney's there. And I mean, so the Clooneyster. Yeah, the Clo- yeah Bomb. He's right, he's right there. Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> with all that said, let's start with uh, Ali. Ali, what do you think of the trailer for Tomorrowland? Oh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I mean, they're they're trying to keep a lot secret here. It seems it, it feels like one of those J.J. Uh, Abrams mystery box sort of productions, and I've been excited about this with Brad Brad Bird on board. Uh, big fan of his work. Um, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I like that there isn't a lot revealed here, um, and it, uh, it it tells a great little story right there. Um, really enjoyed this trailer. Scott? Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a very good cryptic tease. Uh, it's obvious they're trying to keep a lot under wraps. I hope they will continue to do so, frankly, as challenging mm-hmm. as that might be for an original property. And yeah, I mean, it, 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 it shows you almost nothing. It sets up a very, you know, bare bones, looky what I discovered, et cetera, et cetera, type story. And I hope it's very good because if you're one of those people that, you know, sort of complains about the lack of wholly original big budget extravaganzas, this is one of those. And more importantly, when Brad Bird had the success that he had off of Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, he didn't use that to cash in on a franchise picture. He didn't mm. say, ooh, I want to direct Star Wars now. He said, okay, I want to do something, you know, in the back of my head. Everyone else said he should direct Star Wars now, but he's yes. like, no! Yep. <laughs> like, no! I'm Get it away from me! I'm going to do Tomorrowland instead. Yeah. And... In this era where Gareth Edwards Edwards yes yeah. goes from Godzilla to Star Wars to Godzilla, 
you know, and what have you, you know, where your one for me picture is another different franchise, basically. I think it's very important that Brad Bird used his capital, well deserved, to do something wholly original. Hmm. I thought that was basically very uh, cryptic, like what everyone else said. I I was intrigued. I like the protagonist. She wears a hoodie, so she's okay with me. And uh, Abe's kind of girl wears a hoodie. <laughs> Get on that Match.com site, Abe. <laughs> likes, hoodies, <laughs> other likes. Picking up dangerous pins that transport you to another world. <laughs> but match I mean, the voice of one. George Clooney, yeah, exactly, 100% match. George Clooney's voice, yeah, I love it. He's he's like, you know, he's he's George Clooney. How can you not love him? Clooney Even the Bob. skeleton twins like reference him. He's he's a good guy. But yeah, I'm in, I'm excited to see what what goes on primarily because this is just something that's based off of a theme park and an idea and a concept and I'm always excited when people bring originality to it uh, instead of just like hey look here's something that is Tomorrowland and really crappy and like just go see it because I put my name on it and Disney's backing it. it's like no it's original I like it Brad Bird hasn't really done anything wrong so I'm all for it. Yeah, we are probably quoting jokes that he's done on The Simpsons when he was a writer for that. That's how great Brad Bird is. Um, a friend of the show, Mark Hoban, once brought up the idea that if if it said something, because we were talking about, I think, the trailer for The Master, and he talked about, like, all he really needs to see is Paul Thomas Anderson, The Master, and he'd be there. I, I, Brad Bird kind of fits in that kind of category of people with me, where it's like, Brad Bird, movie, there. And so that's that's all I really need. That said, trailer, great. It's a great yeah. short cryptic trailer as you guys have said it does what it needs to to set up an idea for what this will be about without revealing anything that's you know too revealing and uh yeah i'm excited for that so there you go i'm not one to shy away from watching future trailers which i know will happen begrudgingly against scott mendelson's wishes but <laughs> for what i'm, I'm saying with right this, i'm with you yeah i got well, it's an scott original this property too. this isn't a fast and furious sequel uh i sympathize with disney in this you know i you know I don't think Interstellar needed four trailers, but that's another story. Um, you got to make the money I, to buy the ticket. But what I do, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Nightcrawler. What I do hope, however unlikely this is, especially from what I'm hearing in the grapevine, I do hope that Disney waits and waits and waits and holds that Star Wars teaser until this film's opening weekend. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, when does it open? This film May twenty second. Oh, May twenty second, which is what Memorial Day weekend yes. this year. Yeah, Which was give or take when Star Wars was supposed to open. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're going to have to show something at the Star Wars celebration in April. Yep. Um, some footage or some release, maybe just a poster, but that would make a ton of sense to have the teaser released with this film. I mean, I won't be surprised if they do it for Into the Woods. Like, no, they don't have to do yeah. anything. All they do is show J.J. Yeah. Abrams invites you to a new world and a new <laughs> yeah. epic saga. And that's <laughs> what I'm hearing. Which is yeah, that's I mean oh, I don't yeah. I'm not expecting like the, the closest I'll get is like Mark Hamill walks up, yeah. opens, takes off his hood and opens up a lightsaber like that's all. Yeah. Really, like, in a... <laughs> well, they're gonna have to do something to awaken the Force. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, back to Tomorrowland. The film does open May 22nd next year. Um, we're all quite excited for it, it seems. So yeah, there you go. That was a trailer talk. Let's move on now. Let's get to our our main film review for Interstellar. This world's a treasure. It's been telling us to leave for a while now. Your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. You're the best pilot we ever had. 
get out there and save the world. Everybody ready to say goodbye to our solar system? To our galaxy. Here we go. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Interstellar. This is the first post-Batman film from writer-director Christopher Nolan, co-written with his brother Jonathan. The story concerns space exploration, prompted by a future where Earth is in a dire state. Matthew McConaughey stars as a former pilot recruited on a mission to save Earth, where the only trade-off is leaving his family behind for an uncertain amount of time. This film has been made with the word epic in mind, as Nolan once again mixes 35mm and IMAX 70mm for photography in an effort to present his vision for science fiction for a science fiction film in the grandest manner possible. Ali, did this cinematic vision pull you in like a gravitational anomaly, or were you racing to escape that force? Um, it pulled me in. Uh, I think my bladder aged about 10 hours during the three-hour runtime. Um, I liked a lot of it. Um, but there's also a lot, uh, there's also a lot I didn't like. How did you see the movie? Did you see it in IMAX or like IMAX? Uh, yeah, no IMAX. I saw it in a, a real IMAX theater, our our only real IMAX theater here in New York. Visually, it was stunning. I mean, this is uh, I think we're all probably going to talk about this, and it's what a lot of the reviews have mentioned is this film needs to be seen in the theater, um, and I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I think it raises some interesting ideas. Uh, Visually, this is a, a really nice modern take on the space epic. As a story, it's got some flaws. Okay, Scott, how did you? Did, how did that? What was the format you saw this movie in, and how would you think of it? Um, I saw it at the TCL IMAX, uh, so it was seventy millimeter IMAX film, and it looked great. I like apparently a lot of other people had issues with the sound mix, but that may be an irrelevant digression. Um, as far as the film itself, I was not crazy about it. I felt at its core, it was a very buttoned down and would be real world version of the kind of go into space to save the world story we've seen a number of times in films such as Sunshine or The Core or even something like, you know, Deep Impact and Armageddon. And I think the trade off that we get for the somewhat more realistic and buttoned down grim tone is, frankly, relatively flat characters. Or relatively, I don't want to say flat, because stock. they certainly are emotional. Stock, characters. stock characters. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matthew McConaughey, he's good in the film, but he's basically playing, and he basically said this in the Q&A, he's playing the everyman, and yeah, that's really all he is. He's generic pilot guy. And the other characters in the movie are basically, you know, you have Anna Hathaway, who's, all due respect, the female scientists and a group of otherwise men. The the characters aren't particularly interesting or or fun to spend time with, which is a problem because you spend a lot of time with them. As far as the visuals, the stuff outside the spaceship is very impressive. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying they go into space and explore stuff. Yeah, we can. What? Yeah, we, we don't have to We don't have to tiptoe that much. You can, you okay, can get yeah. a little. You can get a little more but, detailed if you want to. <laughs> um, but I felt a lot of the, the the shots inside the spaceship were very claustrophobic. I felt there were a lot of close-ups. You know, especially seeing it in the front row of a very very large screen. You know, it it, it was that much more affecting about how. Not in my opinion, how not as wide as I was expecting a lot of the interior space shots were. There are some interesting visual images on some of the places they visit, but a lot of it is 
stuff that I've seen before. I like the science involved. I don't care how baloney some of it is. You know, I mean, that, that's, that's, it's a fictional story. A lot of it is theoretical science anyway. But as far as a film, I did not find, I felt it was a very bare-bones story stressed out to a very long running time without enough incident to justify that running time. I, all due respect, I was bored for large chunks of the film, especially the second and third act. I liked the setup. I liked the first act. I liked the establishing of the world in this post-Dust Bowl America, and, you know, presumably post-Dust Bowl, you know, planet. Yeah. I wanted more details. How did this happen? I felt the film was tiptoeing around actually saying the world's global warming, and whether intentional or not, you know, there's a, there's a scene very early in the film where a character basically says, oh, you know, the moon, you know, in, in quote unquote our history, the moon landings were fake to bankrupt the Soviets, which is so at odds with the whole moral of, gee, you know, humanity lost its will to discover and create and, you know, reach out to their greatest potential. You know, there's a big difference between saying we used to do that and we lost the ability to do that to saying, oh, we're pretending we never did that anymore. And, you know, bits and pieces like that sort of rubbed me the wrong way, frankly. And without going into details, when the film eventually plays out, you realize more and more how unnecessary and or counterproductive a lot of this storyline turned out to be. And despite that, you know, I, I, I respect what Christopher Nolan and company was trying to do. I, I think the film looks great when it, when the camera opens up a bit. And I like the mood and tone and setting of that, of that first act. But the outer space exploration stuff just didn't do anything for me. It's interesting to me that you wanted more world building despite the fact that you liked the first act so much. Because? Well, you, you like that you, you praise that part the most, yet you didn't get enough from the world building. Yes, well, I, I'll take what I can get. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I want to say, say right now, we're gonna, uh, presumably if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably seen Interstellar. With that said, we're still not going to necessarily spoil uh, elements about, the I guess, the later, ha- later parts of the film. Aliens. <laughs> so many. They actually everywhere. meet up with Michael Fassbender. There's just too many aliens. It's actually a Prometheus prequel. And then the crossover with Pandora from Avatar. Oh, my God. That was pretty awesome. That was, that was pretty cool. It yeah. was wild stuff. Who knows James Zoe Cameron Saldana's had a good handle on uh, that part. With all of that in mind, if you have seen the movie, great. You know what we're talking about probably when we you know tiptoe around certain things. If you haven't, I just... You know, say go see it first and then come back and listen to this podcast. But if you don't, you want to keep going on, continue on and feel safe enough, I guess. But yeah, from this point, yeah, we're going to mildly spoiled things, just saying. Venture forth at your own risk. With that said, Abe, your thoughts on the film? I thought the film was, um, is basically agree with a lot of uh, what Ali and Scott had said. I do like the film. I think that there were some weak parts in it, such as the character stuff, such as the story. Uh, I do agree that it doesn't matter about the science. I, I enjoyed the science enough, and I thought that they brought enough brains to it that they didn't just put something together and say, hey, let's just do this and it'll work because everyone's supposed to believe it. It's just that they had some folks that they had talk about it, and it's based off of, I think, like a a short article that some astrophysicist wrote way back when, uh, back when Spielberg was like uh, also tagged with this film. But I thought that the visuals were really good. I enjoyed the emotional connection between Matthew McConaughey and his daughter, I thought that the storyline was probably the best, even though I had some subsequent talks with some other folks, and they also brought up, you know, Michael Caine and Anne Hathaway, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting juxtaposition as well. 
But there's a lot to discuss about this, and I think it's not... I think that's that's the best thing that could happen, is that mm. you're discussing it not in terms of just a film, but also just in terms of the science and in terms of the engineering and whatever else. And um, I think it's like, I hopefully, uh, I, I hope that it will feel some folks toward the sciences and math and figure out that, you know, there's actually a lot more space than there is Earth, and maybe we should think about trying to explore more. Because um, I do like that concept. I especially like the teaser about the chopped up bits of Matthew McConaughey talking about how we used to be explorers and whatever else. And um, I thought that was very poignant. But Scott, you brought up a great point about that kind of just goes out the window at, at a particular point. So uh, while I enjoyed the movie visually, I enjoyed the movie um, on the whole as a thinking piece. I did find some problems with it as well. I enjoy that you brought up the kind of how you didn't really concern yourself with the science because I didn't either. And it always feels awkward to be like seeing these articles where it's like things that they get wrong about science and the, these movies. Like, it's like, all right, well, I'm glad someone like read Wikipedia and a couple articles to get themselves <laughs> caught up on what like people spent years trying to put together. Good job for you, guy. Like, but yeah, I was I'm just happy to go along with, it, you know, pseudoscience or theoretical science or, you know, actual science that they apply for a film like whatever. It's like it's a movie. Um, with that said, I think I'm probably the most positive of the, among you three, among us four. Um, I really like the movie. I I acknowledge that it has its flaws, but the thing that I kept coming back to, which is why I'm, I'm at odds when I see kind of some of the you know reactions coming out of it, even beforehand, where I was trying to temper my excitement for seeing the movie, just because it's hard to avoid the reactions that other people that have seen it first have and try to communicate in their own way. I went into it, you know, trying to be you know optimistic because I'm an optimistic person and I'm looking forward to this movie from one of my favorite directors, and I saw it. And the thing I keep coming back to, which is why I don't want to doubt my own, like, praise for the film, is my mouth was agape through a lot of this movie. <laughs> like, I kept <laughs> feeling like I was being wowed by things, and I like that feeling. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's amazing because I was wowed by some visuals or by activities, but at the same time, when I walk away from a movie like this, I felt like I saw some really interesting stuff, some really cool things, some real just you know talents behind the camera in terms of putting some a story like this which is a grand epic whether you think there's enough material or not i mean it's it's all there like i mean it's not, it's not like I, I don't want to compare this film to certain movies but like lawrence of arabia it's not like there's a ton of story there but it is an epic because of the you know the length and the, the commitment to the material and how they're trying to put that to screen and that's how i felt interstellar was there's there's certainly story here that is filled with characters that aren't like the deepest and there's a lot of there's some like dialogue that's very just just right on point as opposed to having much more nuance to it beyond what the actors can bring to the script but it didn't really stop me from enjoying this movie for being this kind of grand space epic that was presented in a way that scott described as more basically real more grounded uh more in the line with what christopher nolan does with his films as opposed to what michael bay would do in a movie like armageddon like it and that, that's not blighting that film, even though I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my film opinions on those other movies. I, I liked seeing something different. I liked seeing that it was this court's more kind of grounded take on a film like this, as opposed to having the outlandish space adventure with wild characters and whatnot. I've seen that movie. I've seen it a lot. I don't necessarily need to see it again. And when I walk into a Christopher Nolan movie, I kind of feel like I got what I wanted here and more. I feel like there's a lot of... Um, ideas and criticisms that he's taken on his other films and kind of tried to apply them here. Scott, we talked about this uh, the other day, yeah. but like having just regardless of your thoughts on the characters are certainly more put into the female characters and there's more put into the sentiment in this film, which no one gets constantly accused of being too cold with a lot of his movies. I feel like this is, I mean, it seems clearly like his most personal film. 
And um, I just I really appreciated all of that stuff. I we can get into kind of the flaws that I'm sure that we all share in one to, to knock against her this film. But I mean, I was very happy coming out of the screening of this movie. I, I really enjoyed seeing. I saw it on the giant IMAX screen. I saw it in full 70 millimeter. I agree that there were in my screening there was. There were sound, not even sound, there were sound issues, but there's also, like, the movie just, like, it couldn't start. Like, it broke the first couple times. It couldn't, because <laughs> it, it came from, because they, because Nolan had to, you know, ship out projectors to all these theaters to, so they can play it on film. And the people just weren't used to playing films that way, so they had to, like, it took them a couple tries to get it right, mm. even though they were already testing it throughout the day. But, like, the sound wasn't matched up. But even once they finally oh, got it ready. Yeah, it is a bummer. Well, it's yeah. a, I don't want to get into that because there's people that are like, we need money back, even though we're still going to see this movie that we paid for. Like, I don't understand. But regardless, <laughs> yeah, I, there were instances where, like, dialogue wasn't heard by me. But at the same time, the movie's so kind of – I mean, for what – I mean, especially given the topic it's discussing, it's fairly easy to comprehend, I think. I mean, I don't think – compared to something like in, in Inception, which is constantly laying rules down at your feet and trying to get you to understand everything, which I also don't think is necessarily difficult unless you just not pay attention. I think Interstellar still – a lot easier to comprehend, given because it's simpler in its own way. But yeah, the the big picture elements are all there. And as somebody that you know, frankly, had a devil of a time understanding, I would say most of the dialogue, and that may just be me, you know, where I was sitting and what have you. I was grateful for the somewhat redundant exposition. That's because interesting. Stuff... You, you, you say there's a lot you a lot of dialogue you couldn't hear. Yeah. Okay, because like the I only, there was there was a specific instance where a certain character says something that I couldn't hear completely. The only other yeah, I would agree with that. The only other dialogue problem was I not even problems. I just kind of because I didn't really think about it being an issue. I just thought of it more as how he was going about doing this. It was just kind of a lot of activities going on. So yes, it's hard to hear people. That's what it is in this kind of situation. That was kind of the impression I got. My experience was just that there was a, a there were a lot of lows like on the range. In the beginning, when Matthew McConaughey is looking out the window, yeah. and it's almost like scanners where the movie was trying to blow my head off because mm-hmm. uh, it kept on buzzing, and it all happened twice in the film. And then there was only just one part. I think you and I had the same experience where that there's only one character in one yes, scene where I, I, I couldn't yeah, okay. hear something, and I was like, was that important or I can't remember. But then the movie kind of backtracks on itself, so you pretty much get what he was yes. saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because there's so much variation in how this film is shown, whether it's IMAX, digital IMAX, film, 70 millimeter, 35. Um, I'm really torn on this, you guys, because I, I kind of agree with everyone here. Um, I, Aaron, I walked out with a big smile on my face as well, um, even though there were so many character problems. You know, I, what I really look for in a film is something that's going to move me, make me feel a variety of emotions, and leave me with some ideas to think about. And I think Interstellar does this despite uh, despite some of its flaws. And one of the things that really bugged me is that you know, the, the film feels like it's, it's a series of different stories. Um, there are these different acts. And again, I don't want to, like you guys, I don't want to compare this against other films, but in that way it somewhat kind of feels like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Odyssey in a bit. Oh, easily. Yeah. 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 And I think where this film struggles is those the links and the bridges between some of these acts. There are these exposition dumps. And if you have a hard time following the dialogue, that can make those scenes particularly <laughs> frustrating. Um, those moments, and it, there's yeah. a particular key moment, a, a catalyst that sort of connects Matthew McConaughey's character to this larger event that's happening. And, and that moment just kind of took me out of the whole movie because I felt like that was just so ridiculous. And mm-hmm. it, it's not the black holes or the interstellar space and all that stuff that, that took me out. But it's it was a small kind of um, the links – 
and the things that just didn't really connect well that kind of took me out of it. But despite all of that, um, I really enjoyed the film. And I, I do like how it does bring um, some interesting um, theory of relativity into a uh, interesting sci-fi story. And mm-hmm. I'm a scientist, and I don't care if the science doesn't match up, because when I'm going to a film, I want to see a good story um, that that will make people excited about science and we'll have them go out and research the science later. I think that's far more important. And going back to Gravity last year, um, Alfonso Caron said, yeah, I could have made this 100% accurate to science, but then it would have been like a six-hour film. Um, so you got to ma- take that creative license, and, and that's all fine with me. Um, so I don't know. You guys, I, I agree with everyone here, and despite that, I really enjoyed the film. I have a question. I have a question. Yeah. Um, because this goes to something that Scott's good. Scott, you... You said that you you mentioned the tone. You mentioned actually that you 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 like the tone. Am I am I correct? Am I like? Yes. Um. But would you would you call the film because you you also said the word grim in there? Would you call the film grim? Would you call it kind of dark? Well, I don't. I wouldn't say dark. I would say. I mean, you know, let's be honest. The the state of humanity for most, if not all, because I'm being vague here, of the picture is pretty dire. It's giving and, you a, it's giving you a baseline of what the current yes. setting is for Earth and. Right? Yeah. You know, the things that happen to the main characters and some of the supporting characters are pretty dire. And those emotional beats do work. I mean, there's a scene about half with the film, and I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about if you've seen the film. This mm-hmm. just a whopper. Uh, but considering what's happened, you'd have to be pretty incompetent to screw that one up, you know, considering, you know, what's occurring on and off screen. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say, you know, dark is, you know, dark and gritty or anything like that. I'm going to use that cliche, but, yeah, it's a pretty grim film compared to something like inception which is basically the italian job in dreamland mm. um you think that though you think it's less fun than Inception? like you think the fun level of a movie yes. like this is less so I than it's definitely less fun. I, I definitely this yeah a, i agree that it's less fun this isn't a criticism at all I'm just yes, asking, it's yeah. significantly less fun and crowd pleasing than something like inception which frankly you know we'll get into this later you know people are wondering why it only made 50 million this weekend i think it's a big part of it because, you know, from a mark, you know, from a watch the trailer in the theater point of view, it looks awe inspiring, but it doesn't look, you know, and it isn't as, you know, gee whiz, you know, they're fighting in a zero gravity elevator, that kind of thing. Um, which is fair because like yeah. I watched when I, when I, when I saw Inception, I remember this too. Um, there are several instances where the actions that took place, such as a zero gravity fight and kind of the, the climax of those individual sequences led to mass audience applause. And yes. you don't get that very often in theaters. Like you get, like you get that pretty much in these kind of Nolan events and certain movies that match up to that sort of level of these spectacle films that are deftly handled. So you can see like, this is a crazy thing. We should applaud now. Like when a, fl- a truck flips over in the dark night, that kind of thing. Interstellar. Peter Jackson is good at those. Yeah, he is very good at those. Yeah, uh, yeah. Interstellar, I would say, has maybe one or two of those moments because that's what happened in my theater. I had one or two of those moments <laughs> where people like applauded. Uh, there's one moment where I just said the word. He's a he's a damn space cowboy, and I was very happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, is that uh, why he takes a dump in space? Exactly, it's that exact scene. Yeah. And, and then they all start eating beans. It's in great. great detail, they filmed that. <laughs> yeah, but that's yeah. why I got a PG-13. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I can, from that, using Inception as a comparison, yes, I guess I can agree that it's less fun than that, but I would, but I kept thinking optimistically during the movie, like, I never felt like I was being brought down. I was certainly the sentiment and the kind of emotional wallops that it's trying to pack in various instances that puts you in a certain place, just because that's what the movie's trying to do, but, like, walking out of there, I certainly felt pretty chipper about myself. Yeah, I mean, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't brought down by the film either, and, and I did leave the theater thinking, like, 
wow, there's a lot of stuff that we can talk about in terms of the exploration of space and yeah. um, theory of relativity and what goes on and how do wormholes work and how do black holes work and could this actually happen? Fifth dimension, time and space together as a concept. Um, Cats as a and dogs concept. living together. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we should spoil Yeah. But well, I, it was just something that I, I really honestly thought that it was uh, a pretty ambitious movie, as, as cliche as that might be or as, as overused as that, my, that word might be. I'd rather say it ambitious wasn't. than pretentious. I think that word applies. No, and, and, it is trying. But, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Uh, just to sum up the uh, my thought here, it's just it's a pretty good movie just for you to go through and understand that it's not like grim and dire in terms of everyone's gonna die and whatever else, but it it starts to focus in on one particular storyline with Matthew McConaughey, and that's kind of why uh, I thought that that one was the strongest, even though there are these characters there that somewhat exist just to be there for some of them as exposition, and some of them exist just to be just to further the plot along, um, which is a bummer, which is unfortunate, but. As the story went on, I was more attached, and I was like, I hope that this guy gets to see his family again at some point, and it would have probably just killed me if that never happened. It, you say, I mean, that there are other, and I should mention, this movie is stocked with actors. Like, this is a great cast in this movie. Like, yeah. it, like even the- Good actors. Oh, there's, Yeah, like, there's, a, there's like a scene with, like, two teachers, and one was, like, David Oyello. It's, it's like, a, it's like yeah. we don't yeah. need him here, but you know what? <laughs> we got him. So here it is. Tom but, Green is fantastic. Tom Green is great in this movie. Yeah. Abe and I have a small scene. It's wonderful. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> was, uh, I was that was a good one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, I mean, it's an ensemble cast, sure, but it's, I, I wouldn't say it's an ensemble film. Like, I do think Matthew McConaughey is clearly the star of this movie, and his storyline clearly matters more than anything else in this movie. There's a lot of science and ships and planets and all kinds of stuff around that story, but that's the centerpiece of the story. And I, I've heard a lot of people saying that, you know, like Spielberg could have handled this aspect better or making this work. But from what I'm hearing from all you guys, it doesn't, and it didn't bother me at all, but it doesn't seem like the sentiment was really an issue for you guys. In this no, not at all. Really. Scott no. basically captured it the most, uh, the best way that I could describe it, which is it just a whopper. It hits you. Well, and, and I, I guess, I'm oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, go, 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 go. It's fine. No, 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 no. Okay. You've been waiting. No, in terms of my, <laughs> in terms of my feelings on the, the grimness of the story, I guess from my point of view, I'm seeing this film as what Matthew, McCona- Matthew McConaughey wants more than anything else. He's probably not going to get. So in that sense, he's already lost. So the best that he can hope for is to have a far more abstract victory. And in that sense, and that sense of relating to his character, I found the film very depressing. Again, that's not a criticism. That's just in terms of how I took the film. Um, and that does, I think that does lead you down here. a certain that leads you down a certain avenue mm-hmm. if you have that yes. line of thinking, though. Yes, I mean that, well, that that eventually affects the way you view the film if you think yes. it that way to begin with. <laughs> but again, I don't I don't think that's a criticism of the film. It just, as I said, I viewed it for better or worse as a very grim film because of that. That's fair because you are ju- you are judging the movie for what it is as opposed to what you wanted it to be. So that's yeah. a very fair point that you're making for sure. Yeah, and no pun intended, but there there is a. Um, a great gravity to the to the story and the story is about the survival of humanity so we are dealing with some really really tough issues but that's where i really like what abe was talking about you know science fiction at its greatest is a commentary on what is happening now it raises questions and there are themes in this film like the uh, the survival of the human race against 
change in the planet, um, like funding for for space exploration, like mm-hmm. propaganda in school education, um, ideas about empathy and about deep space exploration and how we can do that, how we can form effective teams. There's a lot of issues that are raised in this film, and I think it it absolutely succeeds in that. Uh, something Christopher Nolan mentioned is he, he was trying to capture some of the awe that he felt as a child when he went to go see 2001 and Star Wars. And I think in that aspect, it is successful in in creating that awe. And I, I think for many people going to see this film, they, they will probably experience that, um, even though as a narrative, there are a lot of weaknesses to it. So I, I think as a, as a science fiction film, it definitely succeeds. Which is, I mean, and this is hard to kind of surmise, but I mean, you look at like Star Wars, a movie that's, you know, I love Star Wars. Star Wars is my favorite trilogy of all time, those three first three movies. I mean, it's, it means a lot to me. But if I really, like, sat down to watch, to, like, to analyze Star Wars, let alone, like, 2001, would you say the writing is the strongest aspects of those two movies? Oh, from I, a storytelling point of view, yes. From a, from a dialogue, maybe not. Dialogue, for Star Wars. Dialogue for not Star for Wars. 2001, I mean, there's... 2001, a, there's, like, a paragraph of dialogue. I mean, yeah, the exactly. reason that... That film works really because it's it's operatic and it's hypnotizing in its visual imagery combined with the sound and it's uh it's mysterious and it works in a very different way. I mean, I, I, yes, for sure, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, it they both inspire awe for very different reasons. And That's, I think you know, for better or worse, I think what Hillary Taylor was trying to do is combine the very abstract experience in two thousand one with a more conventional emotionally charged character driven melodrama. Yeah. And that is I'm that was a neat thing to try. And it didn't work, I don't think. In my opinion, no, it didn't yeah. work. Well, I don't think yeah. it did either. Um yeah. I, I think and, and we see that in the in the final act, I think there there's a I don't think I'm spoiling anything about you saying there's a beyond the infinite a Jupiter and the beyond the infinite type of moment and um it just doesn't doesn't work the same way it does in two thousand one. Which is fair, and I say this as a person that thinks 2001 is also one of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, I, I certainly get that it's not. And this is the kind of thing where you're ju- we're judging a movie off an opening weekend versus you know a movie that's settled in our minds for a long time. Yeah. Even though yes, right. I understand that I don't. I wouldn't say that Interstellar is going to eventually become a favorite movie of mine, but at the same time, I think I'm I'm happy to give it a little more credit than you guys are, just because I do think it manages to pull off what it's going for. I guess somewhat compared to not at all, but not necessarily in the best way possible. Because the best way possible would be that kind of 2001 experience, if among other many examples of you know truly transcendent sci-fi films. But I do think that yeah, like I, I can agree that in that third act, you go to a place where you're not necessarily sure where you're going, but it's not necessarily giving you everything that could inspire the most awe and wonder possible. It's giving you more of a I don't know. Uh, the a comprehensible way of showing you something that you haven't seen before, but not necessarily the most magnificent version of that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But don't get me wrong. I mean, I did enjoy that that third act, and I did enjoy I did too. Yeah. like what happens there. I was awe inspired, and I, I do like this movie uh, quite a bit. But um, it's not so much that. It's not so much like the science part of that, or how how convenient it was. I was more annoyed by. Um, some gentle nudging in my ribs from the script of uh two concepts. One of them is love, and one of them is uh, uh the duality of of humans, I suppose, in terms of 
the will to survive, and that mm. part bugged me more. It's than funny because that else. that's that is the part that actually bugged me the most. Um, <laughs> without getting into too much, there. I w- sitting in this movie and what would you, where would you say that point came up like two hours in probably of the three probably. hours probably yeah, yeah. Um, probably I, I was watch- <laughs> so I'm watching this movie for like two hours and I'm thinking what is it that has people like down on this movie me too and yes, I got to that exact exactly. I got to the exact point that we're referring to and I'm like oh it's one of these yeah. things and it's I would after Hannibal leaves Italy exactly like, oh, <laughs> <this film starts laughs> to suck. and I, I was thinking okay now I can see and I'm like I'm waiting to see where this is all going and so you get Basically, you get I get a lot of shots of two guys struggling, and I'm thinking, <laughs> which which some people in my theater were laughing, and the guy next to me is like, "Why are they doing this in space?" Yeah, and it's the yeah. kind of, it's the kind of thing where I'm sitting there thinking, "All right, how long are we going to be doing this?" And eventually, it wraps up, and it leads to some really exciting stuff. I mean, yes, like the agreed. way it pays off is very. That's again, that leads to one of those like, yeah, <laughs> moments, but um, in the very the very long scheme of things, but I think given the people involved in those scenes and kind of the reason why it happens i was able to look past the kind of watching it happen thing i'm curious to see this movie again by the way just because i do want to kind of you know that's that's a con with these kind of movies especially it's kind of like you know you know where it's going at this point so let's see it again now that the hype's out of your mind and you have an idea of what you're going into and just kind of see how you react to it so i would be curious to see it again just to see how certain stuff like that plays out so that's basically my takeaway too is i want to see it again because the first time was for the visual uh, uh taking everything visually taking everything and in, kind yeah. of just uh, kind of getting a, a big hold on it. But now that I've seen all the visual things, I can go through and listen to the dialogue a little bit more specifically just to get a better sense of, well, maybe this does make sense. Maybe that does make sense. One of the funnier things, and this is a good thing, is um, I thought that the robots were going to go kind of crazy on us. But no, <laughs> they're they're pretty okay. I mean, I, the the Tars is one of my favorite characters in this movie. Uh, between the Tars, are, between yeah. Tars and Baymax in Big Hero Six, I'm like, what toy do I want most? Like, I, there's too <laughs> much here. <laughs> <laughs> no but this is what's so cool about this weekend. We've got two movies opening that really are very pro science, and I, I think a lot of kids are going to be going to see both of these films and walk out pretty excited to do sciencey stuff. The robots were awesome, so they were um, they automatically made me think the monolith monolith from 2001. Which is no um, doubt did not escape Nolan's mind whatsoever. When he absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but then what, what, at first I'm like, how, wait, how do these things move? And you see them um, enter into the ship in the beginning. And because of that claustrophobic shot, you're really not quite sure how they're moving in zero G. But um, and that kind of bugged me at first. But man, they really grew on me. And as a film unfolds, you, you begin to see different abilities and ways of moving that they have. And I thought it was a, a nice, creative form of a robot that we haven't necessarily seen before. It was uh, probably my favorite robot since um, since Moon. Since uh, the Gertie, robot yeah. in that, yeah, since Gertie, yeah. Gertie was awesome. So, Dugru, I had a discussion with some folks afterward too, and we basically said that it was a pretty cool representation of what we could build at at a real time. Like, there's no way for us to build like a Jude Law Gigolo character from AI or something like that, where it's you know it's got this uh, I don't know, it just looks like a human, and kind of the same thing with something like from Aliens, where you have the uh, the um, Dro- what uh, the what's the name androids, uh, androids right? Um, yeah. So it's just a machine that exists in this box form, but it can do 
a crazy amount of things, and it has a level of sense of humor because we've programmed it to do so. Well, it's nice because uh, it, it tries to be something like like District Nine. It's not giving you just regular aliens; it's giving you like bug aliens. Like it's giving yeah. you something else besides yeah. like the, the the stereotypical version of a robot or an alien or whatnot. Like it's giving you something to work with there. This is what I'm loving about a lot of the science fiction we're getting now, whether it's District 9 or or Moon or Interstellar. We're, we're kind of getting beyond some of the ideas that we were stuck with and visually how, how we can tell these stories and what androids can look like. And um, like with Gravity, we got a lot of and, – and J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, at least for a moment – we got a lot of silence in space. Um, which is so cool to see that. And um, it, it's great to see how dramatic that can be. Now, we did have a Hans Zimmer score sort of uh, swelling at those moments, but um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Silence in Space. Did you guys like the score? Because I would say it grew on me as it was going on. I liked it since the teaser trailer. There you go. Okay. I thought it was fine. Yeah. It definitely grew on me. That those are the right words. Yeah. And speaking of kind of you know the other people behind the scenes, I think the as we know, Wally Fister was busy making soon to be classic Transcendence while this film was being made. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so um, talk about an article being written in 15 years. What he should have done, Mr. Okay. Nolan. Um, of course, he had to find a new cinematographer, so he brought on Hoyta Van Hoytema. That's a fun name right there. Who, um, <laughs> Shot Let the Right One In, among other films. Uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is one of those movies. And Her from last year. Yeah. And uh, I th- I mean, it looked like a Nolan film to me. Like I, and I, yeah. It's the kind of thing where I, I do notice this nowadays. Like I just watched Close Encounters again. And uh, that movie has a lot of cinematographers in it based on the different kind of photography they're doing. And one of them is um, uh, Douglas Lacombe. I believe is the name, who, did, who shot the Indiana Jones films. He shoots like one sequence in there. And I'm looking at that, and I was like, huh, that... That look that that seems like a scene out of an Indiana Jones movie. And sure enough, I was looking at like it names which scenes were shot. And I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. So it's like watching a movie like this. It's neat to see someone try to adapt to like a director's visual senses. And I did feel like Interstellar kind of it matches very much with other Christopher Nolan films in that way. Um, and it's also from a from a kind of a special effects standpoint, it seems very minimal. And it's funny yeah. to say that, right? Because this movie you know goes out to you know different galaxies, but as opposed to something like, I don't know, a giant CG asteroid, we go to different planets and whatnot, but I wouldn't say it doesn't feel like it's just it's just layers and layers of CG everywhere. There's obvious, you know, visual trickery or whatnot to get you to, to believe in the space exploration aspect, but it feels like a very practical movie, which is something I admired about it. I, I yeah. completely agree with you, Aaron. I love that about the film. Um, one of my favorite shots was uh, Saturn. Um, cause that, that was completely inspired by a lot of the, the NASA probes that have been sending us images from the, from there. And, uh, it felt, it felt like I was watching an episode of Cosmos at times, yeah. um, where it just, it felt so real. And, and that's one of my favorite things about Christopher Nolan's, how he does go that extra mile to try to minimize CGI as, as much as he can. No, I, I agree, basically. I will say this, mm-hmm. for better or worse, I don't know how much more I would have enjoyed the film had I not seen Gravity a year earlier first uh, because hmm. in terms of the whole awe and wonder and walking out with this big goofy grin on your face, as all of you, most of you know, you know, gravity was my favorite film of last year. One of my favorite films of all time. And it really unfairly, I would argue, I kept comparing mentally, you know, I thought the story was more compelling in gravity. I thought the characters which is ironic because there aren't a ton of characters in Gravity. Uh, the characters are more <laughs> compelling, you know, in Gravity. Um, and I felt the, the, the visuals were more 
expansive. They weren't as claustrophobic in gravity. Now, to be fair, that's because most of gravity is outside the space shuttle as opposed to inside the space shuttle. But in terms of the sense of awe and wonder that I was expecting to get from this film, I felt it fell short to a certain extent compared to gravity or even compared to something like Contact, which was much more of a, mm -hmm. you know, character piece with sci-fi, you know, with a sci-fi subtext. And you mentioned Contact. I watched the day that I watched Interstellar. I watched it it's, hours before I saw Interstellar. Whoa. And it's, and it's a great movie. And it's, it's still awesome. And it's kind of the perfect movie to watch before Interstellar, given yeah. what takes place yeah. in both movies. And something I can definitely agree with you, and I'd probably say Contact is a better film than Interstellar if I, you know, took yeah. a little time to... And I think Gravity's... Gravity is a movie that did make my top ten. I'm still debating if the Interstellar would make my top ten based on what we still have left and what I already have in there. Um, not that I want to go into too deep on what movies are the best of the year, but Museum Three. Yeah, but regardless, <laughs> Annie. Um, but um, I do think Contact because that movie that movie really earns its third act. I would say it really earns the kind of the travel that Jodie Foster yeah. goes through. It really gets to that point where you're like, it's not just a matter of delivering on the special effects extravaganza. It's about getting these characters so set up and giving you so much to work with that by the time you finally get there, like, yeah, we're, yeah, let's do this. Let's go through a wormhole. And in Interstellar, it's a different film. It operates on a different level. So I wouldn't, I, I can't compare it in that sense, but I would say the way that's, that movie kind of functions, it organically gets to a certain point where Interstellar kind of clunkily does that, I guess yes. it's fair to say, even though I still appreciate the movie a lot and find a lot to be so good about it that made me enjoy it so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, um, Scott, I really like that comparison you're drawing between Gravity and Interstellar because I, I think Gravity does that more personal story, um, that sort of the, the template we saw in 2001 um, better than Interstellar does. And w one of the things Nolan was trying to do here is have a grounded space or a space epic that's grounded in this relationship between a father and a daughter. And I think Contact does some of that relation, p relationship piece better. So I think those are two superior science fiction films. Um, but despite, yeah, and I'm, I'm getting, I guess I'm having a hard time figuring out where Interstellar is going to hold up in the pantheon of space epics. Well, it's because um, we've seen it once, guys. I mean, yeah, <laughs> and, really and there's so is. much, <laughs> and there's so much there. It's, it's meaty. There's, it's long. There are, um, a lot of ideas. I think it's going to take a few more watchings to sit in but i want to watch it again i was never bored um i agree with that. i know yeah. Scott, you said you were bored during chunks of it I, I never found myself disinterested in what was going on in this movie i was really bored during that segment that they're all making a point not to talk about um, okay <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and i assume we're all thinking of this you know we're all pondering what everybody else is pondering here when they're getting um, uh when they're getting mark strong and sunshine yeah i got it yes <laughs> precisely um and, you know, and, and frankly, there is a portion of the film that I would argue you could have completely cut out without losing much. And it would have been. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. but I, I, I would like to see it again. I, I actually, because I had so much issues with the dialogue, I, I really wanted to see it on Friday before I came on this podcast. I was just, unfortunately, I was busy. Um, and, you know, if I was going to see it again, I want to see it on some other premium large format screen of some kind just for the comparison's sake, and the showtime's just weren't convenient. But no, I probably will see it at least one more time on, you know, I saw it on IMAX this time, so I'm going to see it on, you know, the movie co mega, you know, PLF or whatever, mm -hmm. just for comparison's sake. And to compare digital versus film, I'm curious, you know, because I think most of us that saw it early made a point to see it on film, you know, on principle. 
Um, hey, but I didn't ask you, by the way, did you see it in IMAX? Yeah, 70 millimeter, 70 millimeter IMAX. Nice, cool. Oh, no, that's a good point, and about, Scott, about the, you know, seeing it again and whatnot. And I, I do, like, as much as we may disagree on our thoughts on the film, which obviously means that we can't be friends anymore, because that's how Twitter works or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> Rage! Rage against those who disagree with you on Interstellar. Exactly. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, 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 music comes in. Uh, yeah, I, I am happy that you would at least acknowledge that it's a thing that's worth checking out because we don't get yeah. this very often. Yeah, it's, it, it well, and you know what? What we don't get a lot is we don't get a lot of movies that challenge us. Um, it, we don't get a lot of big budget blockbuster level movies that challenge us to make us think. And that's one of my favorite things about Christopher Nolan is you walk out of his, his films always trying to figure something out and not in a, Oh, that was a horrible narrative. What the heck just happened, but more of a sense of what, what does this mean? Or what was behind that? And I, I really love that about films. And, uh, I, I'm a big fanboy of Christopher Nolan's, you know, this film might rank up more like dark Knight rises than a dark Knight, but I still liked dark Knight rises. There you go. Cause I'm oh, on that I same mean, boat as well. Scott didn't like dark Knight rises. So. No, but I, you know, <laughs> He is probably one of my favorite working directors right now, and I would put Memento, The Dark Knight, and Prestige, three of my favorite films the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, worst case scenario, you know, he screwed this one up. Oh, well, I'll still, you know, be first in line to see what he does next. But then I'm still rooting for M. Night Shyamalan, so make it that way you will. We'll get to that later on, actually, Scott, because we have a question that I've been waiting to ask you because I know you're a champion of M. Night Shyamalan. We'll get back to that, though. With that said, Scott, have you... This is just a random question. Have you seen The Dark Knight Rises? Like again, I presume you have. Yes, I've seen it a few times. Each you... time I open, this is going to be the time that I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the first act is strong. That's where most of the character beats that I like come in. Uh, I think the film kind of falls apart by waiting too long to have the inciting incident, which is Bane, you know, taking over Gotham, and then sort of not really dealing with what I would consider to be the realistic ramifications of that. And interestingly enough, I found the same problem with Interstellar in that you have this society, you know, world where theoretically society is broken down to its pure primal substance level, you know, survival, but social services still seem to run okay. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, the, the, you, know, there's, you know, there's a line about that. There's no military, but there's no looting. Trash gets taken up. Nobody gets, you know, killed and their food gets stolen because everyone's starving. So. I, I would just say the movie doesn't explore those things, and I can't say that I... I don't know if I needed it or need, didn't need it because the movie is so yeah. long, but I mean, it... I can't. I can't say that I found. I. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily want to see more of this world, mainly because dust is depressing as it is. It's <laughs> like I feel like I. I got a sense like, do I really need to see like people getting shot everywhere and stuff? Because I. I already feel like I get where these people are. They're living. So in this, what like, I'm taking away society. from this conversation is that the purge has happened, and then <laughs> only the good people are left, and then we start losing food, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and that was the thing they have with The Dark Knight Rises, is that, you know, you establish that Bane takes over the city, but, you know, your trash will still be picked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can do that. Eric can do that one better than me. The garbage dumps rise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I ask about your taxes. I ask about the, uh, the, the Dark Knight Rises because I'd be curious if you, because we talked a lot yeah. about that movie when we did the pod, we did two podcasts for that movie but um i'd be curious like a year from now our thoughts on interstellar and like um, how it sat with well, us to be honest i think interstellar is a better film than the dark knight rises but i will probably watch it less than i will you know in my lifetime than the dark knight rises just because it's batman 
Yeah. And yeah. Hathaway is an awesome Catwoman, and that's very entertaining all by itself. What you guys think? What you guys think about Hathaway in this film? She's fine, but I she was fine. Yeah. So I'm in the boat, and some people have brought this up too, which is that Christopher Nolan sometimes has a weak female character in a lot of his films, like Juno in in, in Inception and uh, Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises. But I thought she was fine in here. Oh, I think Anne Hathaway in Dark Knight Rises is the best female character ever. Ever. I think she's an awesome Catwoman. She plays oh. a mighty fine Catwoman. That's <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be Peter O'Toole. It's <laughs> Peter O'Toole doing Bane. I don't think she oh. had much to work with. Um, oh. I mean, she was fine, but uh, her character didn't have too much. And, and I think we're we all are thinking about this one scene that just yeah. When she really... drops that exposition bomb, I'm like, oh. Uh, that's actually like, no. one speech of hers that I liked because it was something different. What? It was it was. Are we thinking the same thing? I th- I, I don't know if we are. I'm thinking of the scene about two hours in, or uh, hour and fifty minutes in. Where they're making a decision? Yeah. See, I like that scene. Um, just because it's interesting. That That is something I, you know, a, a point of view I've never heard before. What about, um, what about Chastain? Are we allowed, how much are we allowed to talk about Chastain? We don't need to say who we are. I'm just asking what you guys think of these other oh, okay. performances because we haven't really um, talked about it that much. She's fine. I mean, she's good in everything. Same with Hathaway. I think Hathaway's good in everything. Um, yeah. If I'm less high on Hathaway in the film, it's because of the material that she's given. And if I may nitpick for a second, it's another film where the female character, who is otherwise super competent, basically trips and falls and needs to be rescued by a man at the last minute. Well, yep. I mean, there are two uh, characters that trip and fall that kind of need yeah. rescuing in that movie. <laughs> uh, I would say that uh, anybody that was in that situation, I don't think it, ma- I don't think the gender matters in that scenario. I know, but it's, it's something that you see all the time and it always annoys me. Yeah, it was like one character's the pilot, the rest of their walking around being idiots. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter what gen- I don't, I, I can't say it's a statement on, the gender being the problem, the source of that issue. No, it's just a um, cliche. Prometheus. Yeah. <coughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, women can't turn. That's what I learned to Prometheus. Back into but, the left. <laughs> Back into the left. <laughs> you know who I like in this film? Um, Mackenzie Foy, um, yes. the young actress who plays Murph. <laughs> Worst name ever. Um, I, I really liked her in, uh, in throughout the first act. No, she is excellent. Uh, she will get a lot of work off this film. Yeah. Uh, and I by agree. the way, McConaughey's definition of Murphy's Law is complete BS. Oh, yeah, it's totally wrong. <laughs> it means exactly what she thinks. Exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> everybody knows that. He's well, trying to make her feel better, guys. I think, I think he's using the Alec Guinness logic of, from a certain point of view, you can see it this way. <laughs> How'd that work out for the Jedi? <laughs> yeah. The Force is awakening, guys. They returned. So I don't know. What <laughs> 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 uh, any other thoughts on this movie before we wrap it up? I'm talking about this. Um, I think Chris Nolan is very lucky that he is friends with Michael Caine because I think Michael Caine has been very useful to him, it, you know, for exposition and for, you know, would-be gravitas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think he brings a lot just by being Michael Caine. Uh, and that's not a slight against Chris Nolan. Obviously, you know, Tarantino, you know, by, you know the, better, the entire second act of Tarantino's career is because he found Christoph Waltz hiding in an alley somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean an, alley called, an alley called Art House Film Germany. Yeah, exactly. like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's... In an alley, I want to see that. It's like, hey, wait, want some food? Are it's you... just him playing his villain character from the Green Hornet. That's that's who he was before this, before Tarantino found him. Um, and, you know, it, it's, 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 it's fun slash sad trying to see, you know, Kevin Smith do the same thing with Michael Parks. Um, and we'll get, actually, we'll get to that, too, in another question that we ooh, have. But, fun. I mean, it is... Um, 
I think it, I, I think it's not fair. It's not unfair to say that Michael Parks is not. He is doing great work with Kevin oh, Smith. <laughs> it just you know the material isn't as strong as the stuff that Nolan and Tarantino are doing, obviously. But you know, again, you know, Michael, which makes me have long way of saying that Michael Keane is excellent in this film because he's Michael Caine. I don't think he's particularly challenged, but that's okay. Yeah. And I, I think, and to go further with that without revealing anything, I think the character that we're not mentioning, I think he, that person succeeds because it is that person. I think that that role is, yeah. I mean, despite issues with the element, that element of the film, I do think that is a successful performance because of who we know that person to be beforehand. You kind of get that level of credibility that already works in favor of that person without you having to set him up too much. That's right, everybody. B.B. King shows up. That's who we're trying to avoid. <laughs> yes. She doesn't um, play the blues in space. I don't know if we're supposed to mention this actor or not, so I'll just say there is an actor that has a lot of that has a lot of scenes with Jessica Chastain in the second half of the film, who is terrific, with a very low key, somewhat under the radar turn. Which, which I wish that they had explored a little bit uh, more. Yeah. Agree. Uh, yeah. Because that that one was what the dramatic beat in that was just one of the lines where he's like, you know, I he didn't raise me, grandfather raised me, and it's like, what happened there? They seem to be pretty good. And I do see, that, see I disagree. I see I feel like I got exact I I understood exactly why he was making decisions in a certain way that were frustrating, but I got yeah. where it was coming from. Yeah. I feel uh, like I feel way. like having that person I hate this. That person, this guy, they um, yeah. I, I, I That's think, how they describe in the movie too. Like who helped us <laughs> get to the wormhole? They. They yeah, yeah. Um, hey, Can I can I bring up John Lithgow? Is yeah, that hey, uh, is that safe? I, was about to. I didn't even yeah, know he oh, was in the movie. Yeah, me either. And at first, first I gotta admit it, it kind of felt like it was uh, John Lithgow's character from Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I kind of felt like it was the same yes. continuity a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, what what did you all think of him in this film? I, I mean, I, I love John Lithgow. I think he's a terrific yeah. kind of actor that's that's emerged into this place where he can either go super broad, dick and three, uh, third rock from the sun, or it can go subtler like this or uh, yeah. Love is Strange, which I saw earlier this year, which is he's quite terrific. And I think he has that kind of range where he can play broad or play small. Uh, yeah, I was happy to see him there. I mean, I did not know he was in the film, but you know, it's the opening scene. We're not like giving anything away. Either. He's on. He's in the poster, uh, I believe. Oh, the, like his, name, his name's in the poster. Yeah. I'm pretty um, sure. No, he's not. Uh, no, no, there's not a floating head. The rest of, of the poster. There's not a, there's not a floating head of uh, John Lithgow only, and no other character. <laughs> Interstellar character posters. <laughs> John Lithgow, father-in-law. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I was happy to. I was happy to see him there. There's a couple actors, a few actors throughout the picture where their main character is basically, "Wow, I'm an Interstellar. Awesome." Yeah, there's a one yeah. that. That's yeah. also Jessica Chastain that I think fits that one really well, even yeah, though I, yeah. I don't fault that person. They're, for being. Yeah, they're fine. I don't fault it either. I think that it's just I think that's one of the ones that Scott was like. I think if we could cut out a scene, it it would still make sense. And, yeah. yeah. What an age where we have to like we can't even mention cast members of this damn movie it's just, because they they change. We can't really say. Yeah, it's a bummer. But okay, I think. I think we've done it now, guys. I think, yeah. I think we've I got, think so. gone into this movie. I think we've done a terrific job of talking about it. I'm very happy that we've had this I'm conversation. I'm sorry that we had to use a lot of pronouns, listeners. <laughs> so with all, with all that said, let's get to our rating for the film. This is where we talk, where we, uh, we say where we think people should go see this movie. And me, personally, I think you should go see it on the giant IMAX screen, see it how we shot it, see it in the biggest presentation possible. I second that. See it in IMAX, see it in 70mm. Um, I think you will really enjoy it. Ali? 
Yeah, see it in real IMAX if you can't see it in fake IMAX. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's very similar to the 2001 in that whenever 2001 is playing in a theater, I I must go consume it in that format because it's rare that you get to see that film in that format. It needs to be seen in that film format, and I think Interstellar very much carries on that proud tradition. Go see this film right now, Scott. Smartphone. Smartphone. Smartphone? Oh my gosh. Oh, 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 on, like, on the iPad version, it goes back and forth between widescreen and full frame. <laughs> oh, yeah, VHS on your, you know, little monitor there. No, I mean, obviously I'm not crazy about the film, and I don't presume, you know, I don't know if future viewings will make me feel any better toward it, but if you're gonna see the film, see it in IMAX. Honestly, I'm an IMAX fan. There's, there aren't a lot of films that are offered in IMAX that I would say not to see in IMAX. I saw the Mortal Instruments in IMAX, for God's sakes. I saw John Wick in IMAX. Was, was, was Dracula awesome. untold yeah. in IMAX? Yes, it was. Uh, yes, it was. I didn't yeah. see that there, because I no. did not. Because <laughs> oh. no. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula, unfun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dracula unseen by Abe. Um, yeah. Let's move on That's now. correct. Let's get to a movie callback. Call back, call back, call back. We've already mentioned 2001 quite a bit, but if there are any other movies that you thought of during or after the film, feel free to mention them now. Uh, Scott? Uh, there's a couple that I, I, I almost don't want to mention because they might be spoilers by association. Mm-hmm. But obviously Contact, obviously Gravity, 2001, 2010 for that matter. There's a lot of similarities. With John Lithgow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, Event Horizon, in that I kind of hoped the third act would turn out like that, even though I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> um... <laughs> would have been scary. Yeah, yeah it would. Uh, yeah. IMAX? Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting to crap my pants in this movie. <laughs> We're leaving. Uh, the core, in that I, I really like the core. I we should do it. a commentary for the core. I'd love should. to do that. I'd That'd be a fun one. Watch that movie again. Maybe like, when did, that, when did that movie come out? What, like, what month? Was it a February? Was it a February movie? Yeah, February, March 2003. Maybe February 2015 we'll do our core commentary track. That's coming up. That was an example of a film where, as preposterous as I'm sure the science was, I loved the characters. Yeah, that was a great uh, yeah. I mean, it, I And that's, you know, that's what I, you know, again, I, I don't necessarily say that everybody in Alice Miller needed to be quirky, because I, I don't want to get into that boat, but. I don't know, Wes Bentley's beard was pretty quirky. Wes Bentley's facial hair is always quirky. Exactly. That's what he I've learned. He decided not to shave after Hunger Games. He's like, yeah. Oh, P2 is Wes Bentley. Yeah, P2. P2. <laughs> I like that movie. But yeah, you know, the obvious ones that you know, you're thinking of, you know, 2001. Uh, uh, Sunshine 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see Sunshine 2. Was that good? Yes. <laughs> they traveled to Better than Sunshine 3. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it the rest. I'll leave uh, I agree with that whole list. The only thing I'd add in is Solaris. Yeah. Abe? Uh, Gattaca, Apollo 13, Gravity, The Others, Primer, Moon, Top Gun. And there's one that I want to mention, but I really don't want to mention. It's with Jim Caviezel. Um, okay, I know what you're talking about. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> the Passion of the Christ? Passion of the yes, Christ. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Deja Vu. Like, Damn um, it. <laughs> actually, Deja Vu does no, count. No, I actually <laughs> but, um... what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I love that movie, by the way. I know, Deja yeah. Vu or the, the or other the movie that you're the talking one you're about? Talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Contact, Close Encounters, The Right Stuff, which I love. Um, oh, that's a great film. Apollo 13. I, I've, descri- I've basically been describing Interstellar as The Right Stuff in 2001 made a crazy baby. Um, <laughs> Apollo 13, Grapes of Wrath, Event Horizon, Sunshine, and Wally, of course. Oh. Um, speaking of <laughs> awesome robots, by the way, that's a wonderful design. Um, 
let's see. And he also knows that love is the fifth dimension. But anyway, <laughs> uh, let's move on now. That was movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. Let's get to our sponsor. Uh, you know our sponsor, audibletrial.com. So shout out podcasts, audiobooks, guys, free audiobooks. There are a ton of them. You can get them on your any kind of MP3 device. But you were we were you could go to audibletrial.com slash out now podcast. You can download a free one. You can listen to it. You can download the service. If you don't like the service, you can get rid of it, but you get to keep that free book. Uh, Ollie, offhand, any like any books that you know, any books that kind of relate to this film that you know of that you'd like to recommend that are probably inaudible? 2001 A Space Odyssey. There you go. Clark. That would be sort of the go-to book right there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can get that. I know you can get that because I've, I've seen that on there. Or any, or other... any of the sequels. Any of the sequels. There's, there's a lot. Are there? There's that many? Are there? Are there... Yeah, and there's um, sci-fi. I think is going to be adapting one of the sequels yeah, they're into doing, a miniseries. They're doing the last one, 3001 yeah. A Space So the final Odyssey. Audible. Yeah, I yeah. know Ridley Scott's production company is handling that one. So. But it's on sci-fi, so I don't hold my expectations too high. So we'll see. I think it's pronounced Sifi. Oh, soy. 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 I got it. I got it. Soy. Soy. Sci-fi is what it used to be in the 90s and the early aughts. Now it's sci-fi. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you can download a book at audibletrial.com to sign a podcast, and it'd be great if you did using that, you know, that specific address because that helps us out. Um, so you know, be a winner. Read or listen. Yay. Okay, let's get let's get to out now feedback now, guys. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Here we go. Out now feedback is where people responded to our various questions on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast, and they also provided us some questions. And so we're going to go through those right now. And the first question we have is favorite films about Earthbound characters heading into space. Uh, Jason has the one where Bruce Willis stops a meteor and saves Earth. I think that's called Mercury Rising. Uh, Justin <laughs> has Star Trek Into Darkness, Galaxy Quest, my fave for sure, and Apollo 13. Philip has Apollo 13 and Ender's Game, and April has Armageddon. Fight me. Too bad, April, you already lost. Moving on. Oh. <laughs> and then we asked, uh, what's everyone's favorite spaceship? And Joe writes the Milano from Gardens of the Galaxy. April writes Serenity. Mm. Uh, Justin writes NCC 1701. 1701. That... Yeah, right. Dash G has a special place in my heart. Is, that, is that Star Trek? That's, that's, uh, that's... I believe that's original. That's, that's the Enterprise. Okay. Yeah. But I, I have no G? idea. Yeah. Dash G. Um, I'm not I sure about the death for... either. Yeah, but, I thought he was going for 1701, no bloody A, B, C, or D, but okay. <laughs> and then she also writes, uh, my favorite all time is the Lambda class T4A shuttle, which is from Star Wars, I think. Matt writes, uh, Rebel made from space balls. <laughs> Mega uh, made. Mega made. Because <laughs> <laughs> it will go from suck to blow. <laughs> Gary writes, TV, but Jupiter 2, what happened to the Jupiter? That's lost in space, yeah. Mm. That's a, that's a yeah. Thing. Philip has the TARDIS, son. Uh. <laughs> Friend of the show writes, uh, Friend of the show Jim Dietz writes, The Boob Ship, Richard Thomas pilots in Battle Beyond the Stars by Roger Corman, because space boobs. Uh, Corey writes, Slave <laughs> One, the Y-Wing, and the Excelsior-class starship from Star Trek are my top three. Jason writes, Captain's Log, my favorite starship is helmed by Mal Reynolds, Captain Jade T-shirt, signing out. And finally, Michael gives us a clip, uh, Spaceship, the Lego movie. Spaceship! <laughs> yeah, uh, as a as a you know Boba Fett fan for life, the Slave One certainly pops into mind. I'm a big B Wing fan from the Star Wars universe, as far as the Rebel Fighters. Uh, B Wing school. And yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised no one said Nostromo from uh, Alien. That's a cool. That's one of my favorites. It's huge. It just looks like this. Yeah, it's this floating mass of. It's stuff. like it's like an oil uh, rig in space. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. okay, it's yeah. less of a ship and more of just like this thing that exists <laughs> out there. And you know, honestly, after watching Ca- Close Encounters recently. That last ship is 
damn impressive, guys. <laughs> that like oh, last yeah. final ship. It's so. It's just this giant thing that just um, like it causes such like disturbance in the weather because of how big it is. It's similar to like Independence Day. Like it just. I love seeing that by the way when like ships enter Earth and they try to go to that extent of showing you how crazy that is when that happens. Mm-hmm. Atmospheric changes. Let's see our next question. What do you want from the future in terms of crazy technology? Shelly has, I want Matrix-like abilities to upload, no- sorry, Johnny Mnemonic-like abilities to upload knowledge, <laughs> instantly dry, clean hair, and a house that can clean itself. Uh, Jason has a time machine in the form of a car, like Back to the Future. Never heard of it. Um, Shalem says, still waiting for those digital underground sex packets. Pause with appropriate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe has hoverboards, jetpacks, an entire three-course meal, and a stick of gum. Uh, April says, I want my freaking flying car. George says, futuristic AI like in her, but, you know, Abe's voice. Aw, come on. Kira says, I'm good with an implantable computer that would put us all online all the time. A little like the Matrix upload Shelly envisions. A nanotech that would diagnose and repair anything wrong in the human body instantaneously. And lastly, Bob has teleportation, teleportation, teleportation. Also, sex robots. So that's (laughs) (laughs) the response we got for that one. Fantastic. Um, I'm glad, some, I'm glad some of our, uh, our our responses have great comedic timing, apparently, with the right <laughs> space in between to get to sex robots. <laughs> and now we move to questions you guys asked us. Joe writes, have you seen Tusk, and is it worth watching? Aaron, I know that you've watched it. Scott, you've probably seen it as well. I have. Uh, we have talked Tusk because it is an exclusive bonus episode between me and friend of the show, Jordan Grout, and his wife, Caitlin. We talked about Tusk together, and that's available on SoundCloud and at Potomatic only. So, yeah, if you want to listen to that episode there, it's a lot of fun for us talking for 40 minutes about Kevin Smith's Tusk. Well, with all that said, if you want a shortcut, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wanted you to get the emphasis. Yeah. Scott, I don't believe you were a fan either. Uh, no. I mean, I don't hate the film. Yeah. But... You know, it's been 20 years since Clerks, and, you know, he should have gotten, you know, he should be capable of more by now. Which, I th- it's a fair way to put it. Um, yeah, and and ironically, for what it's worth, that's kind of how I felt with Interstellar, in that I was wavering on, you know, how to grade the film, so to speak. I said, you know what, Christopher Nolan's one of the best directors out there. He doesn't need a, you know, an admiration-based curve. But, yeah, Tusk, yeah, it, it, it's... The first act is fine. Yeah, and um, even the second act, half of the second act, I think yeah. is fine. Uh, it's <laughs> well, like half it's like forty minutes. Well, because the pro- my main problem is, and I've said this the whole time, it's it's a better like horror anthology short than it is an hour and forty minutes. Would have made a great Masters of Horror episode. Yeah, or a Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt episode. Or a Tales from the Crypt episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see the Crypt Keeper opening close. <laughs> I like that Abe's been waiting three years for this podcast to finally mention the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> that was really that good. Guy's that guy's got really good It was good a good puns. one. That's yeah. like good enough for you to put at the very end of this episode. That's the oh, time. Great. I, want that that as my I, might, I might save that clip forever. That's it's actually for George Valco. That's my uh, that's my laugh for him in my AI voice. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah that should be the... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that that's just that. how I laugh. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, Izzy asked, and this is a good one for Scott. I've, been, I've literally saved this question Wait, like yeah, months waiting, waiting for Scott to come back on this, on this podcast. Huh? Izzy asked, where did M. M. Night Shyamalan go wrong, and will he ever be redeemed? He went wrong in having so much success purely on his original ideas that he believed he was infallible. Yep. And there is a point when he goes out to dinner with... Uh, Nina Jacobson yep, yep. of Disney, mm-hmm. who says, this, this script, Lady in the Water, needs work. And M. Night Shyamalan says, no, it doesn't. It's perfect as it is. 
up yours. And he takes the script from Disney and gives it to Warner Brothers, who is thrilled to have an M. Night Shyamalan film. And that's the end of everything. Mm. Because with Disney, he was, you know, he was brilliant, but he also had people to tell him no. And he didn't have the sustained success to build up his ego. You know, people like to paint him as this, you know, giant raging egomaniac. Well, yeah, because he made four of the highest grossing, not based on anything live action films of that, you know, five, six, seven year period. Back to back to back to back. Right. I mean, that would kind of give you a chip on your shoulder. Um, and I always joke that I'd love to see an alternate universe where he took her notes, fixed the script, knocked that fucker out of the park, and spent the next 10 years making great films with Disney. And it makes me very sad that didn't happen. Yeah. Because The Sixth Sense is still one of the best films of the 90s. I still get grouped out by that movie. Yeah. I still, it still makes me cry. Mm. Uh, the scene in the car with his mother. Funny Colette, yeah. Yeah. Unbreakable is awesome. Unbreakable, Unbreakable is awesome. very Signs, Signs we, is a great popcorn movie. I love Signs. I, yeah. Uh, that that tri that tri that uh, that triple feature. Right? <laughs> that's a that's yeah. a solid set of. I'm not a Village fan, but even t technically speaking, I could say the Village does some really interesting yeah. things. But I mean, there's, as a, there's, yeah. As a political parable that came out soon enough after 9/11 to actually qualify as being courageous, I I like the Village. Mm. But no, where did he go wrong? He you know, he lost the ability to distinguish between his good ideas and his bad ideas, and he walked away from the people that could have, you know, could have been his angel as well as his devil. Mm. Now, the real um, point, now, where can, can he be redeemed? That's the fun question. Too. Sure, if he's, you know... He if makes he, a good movie, yeah. <laughs> if he, you know, works with people that can say, these are good ideas, these are not, and he listens to those people, then yes. I am very much looking forward to his, his next film. It's an Alzheimer's drama called Sundown. It's a low-budget film. I think Bruce Willis is in it, but don't quote me on that. I think he's not in it. I think they... Then maybe it's something else. I, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think like they was announced that he was in it, but then that oh, wasn't okay. true or something like that, but I, honestly, I don't know. So From what I've heard, this was a script that he wrote a long time ago before The Sixth Sense blew up. There you go. So it was something very personal, and I will be hoping against... You know, it's... it's, it's Michael Jackson went to his grave with me still hoping he'd put out one more great album. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know... If I'm a fan, I'm a fan to the end. Well, it doesn't mean I, you know, like everything they do, but it means I never give up on them. Yeah, I mean, Tupac keeps putting out great albums, so who knows? Uh, <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan just needs to become a hologram, and now we'll be solved. <laughs> you know, Coachella! Unbre <laughs> yeah. Unbreakable 2. That would be awesome. It's never going to happen. No, um, because the things that we want in an Unbreakable 2 are the very things that aren't it unbreakable, which is why that film's so good. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't need Absolutely. to see Bruce Willis like you know, yeah. seeing people for what they are for an entire movie yeah. and rolling around with a cape to stop them. So. Yeah, I, I don't need him and Samuel L. Jackson you know embarking in some kind of moral combat on a rooftop in a blinding rainstorm. Although if it was you an know, entire if it was an entire movie that was like the Dark Knight Joker interrogation scene, just those two, like in a, uh, uh, uh. a like a ninety minute character piece, I'd watch <laughs> yeah. the hell out of that movie probably right away. <laughs> Where it's just oh. the it's the reverse of Die Hard of a Vengeance, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I apologize for dropping the F bomb, but I'll get uh, it. I'll get very it. passionate about that. It makes your point come across a lot stronger. Right? Yeah, it's 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 because I actually I watched Lady in the Water last year, first time I had seen it in years, and there is so much there that is good despite itself, 
you know, Paul Giamatti is awesome. He's great in that movie. Um, that's the only, yeah. that's the thing I always walked away with. I think he is. And a- one thing I will say to defend the film, a lot of people give Shyamalan grief under the idea that he plays this writer who gets martyred because, uh, you know, his ideas are so great, blah, blah, blah. But what, what I saw from the film is the point he was making is he, he's not a great, you know, considered a great thinker because his ideas were that great. He became thought of as a great thinker because somebody murdered him. I mean, if he doesn't get killed, then he doesn't become this great, wonderful thinker. Yeah, but he's still cast in that role, and that yeah. kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. Let's move on. Oh, I don't want to keep going. Right. That was a good good discussion there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jason asked us, what is your favorite film in honor of Veterans Day? Favorite war film. Favorite war film in honor <laughs> of Veterans Day. Starship Troopers. Uh, I mean, I, I like Starship that's Troopers. Nice. Oh, no, I love Starship Troopers. My, uh, Starship Troopers my, uh, my default answer tends to be Apocalypse Now. I think that's my, I consider that my favorite kind of pure war movie. Um, but to go along with the list, Apocalypse Now, Three Kings, Bridge on the River Kwai, Doctor Strange, if you want to count it, Paths of Glory is an anti-war movie technically, but I still would put it there because I love that movie. Uh, The Dirty Dozen and uh, Star Wars. Um, Best Years of Our Lives. There you go. It was one of the first, you know, veterans coming home movies, and it's still one of the best. If you're talking about military duty and honor, I'm going to have to go with Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hmm. Yeah. Abe, any uh, faves? Everything you guys have already listed. All righty. Yeah. Uh, Joe asks, I just watched the four-hour-long documentary Never Sleep Again, The Story of Nightmare on Elm Street. I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I have two questions. Are there other good documentaries about the horror genre I should watch? And two, just how long is too long for a movie? The four hours was interesting, but my God, speed it up already. Let's answer that first one. First, I know a number of good horror documentaries, actually. Um, one that's very similar is obviously Camp Crystal Lake Memories, which is about the yes. Friday the 13th series. Um, and as far as other horror documentaries uh, room 237 came out last year which is about the shining uh there's psycho legacy which is all about psycho there's texas chainsaw massacre a family portrait that's a big making of a reflection on the texas chainsaw massacre film uh best worst movie which is a great doc about troll 2 and the kind of cult sensation it became um there's american movie which is just a terrific documentary about the making of a horror movie um, I recently saw Terror in the Isles based off recommendation from Brandon and Jimmy on our horror podcast episode, which is more of like a clip show of just all these uh, different horror films from like mid 80s and before. Um, and I listed one more, um, The Atomic Cafe, which is kind of horrific because you're just seeing all this results of nuclear testing during the atomic age. It's a, that's, a, that's a number of different movies you can go for, Joe, if, you want, if you're really interested in seeing kind of uh, different documentaries about the horror genre. As far as the length, I would argue that if you're making a documentary of that nature that's four hours long, they're not going to be too upset with you if you don't watch it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. I mean, I want, like, Blade Runner has a terrific four-hour, like, three-hour-plus yeah. documentary. It's just Prometheus yeah. for that matter. Like, Ridley yeah. Scott movies in general have great documentaries about the making of their movies, and I'm generally pretty much sitting the whole way through watching these yeah. things. My answer to that <laughs> second part is just if, it, if you're into it, you're into it. Sometimes you wish it was longer. Yeah. yeah, I could have done ten hours of that. Yeah, I I have no real qualms with the length of a movie before Unless it's seeing a terrible movie. before seeing the movie. Like right. the the length is not what bothers me. It's you know the quality of the film that matters. I'm yeah. glad like I could watch Gravity for three hours, but if it's it's only like ninety something minutes, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Like there's no Interstellar did not bore me as in the same way that Scott did. I but I was. I'd certainly say I felt the length, but I wouldn't say it felt it it it, it made the movie worse for me for that yeah, reason. And with that being said, Sucker Punch is too, too long already, and uh, <laughs> nobody should go see that ever. 
I'm glad that you're on the podcast with, with Scott, who does like Sucker Punch quite a bit. So. I will defend that movie to the death. You probably would win in the in a in a fight to the death with me. I'm not gonna. That, I've that, never thrown a punch in my life. It's, be, it's because it's because Scott actually put thought into what the meaning was behind Sucker Punch, where I'm just sitting there thinking, "Wow, that's that was a video game." Okay. Um, <laughs> I get that there's stuff going on in Sucker Punch. There's I yeah. Really, I, I just don't really care. My brother, <laughs> brought, up, my brother brought up some good points, and I was like, "Hmm, didn't think about that." Hey. Um, Scott's just frothing with intensity. He's like, oh, this sucker no, no, punch no. talk. All right, let's move on. Now. It's, been, that was, it's uh, been three years. That was out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And yeah, thank you, everybody, for supplying Thanks. various questions and answers. Um, let's move on now, Abe. What, uh, what time oh, is it? Oh, Aaron, I believe it's time for some popular games. Oh, that was obviously that was... not the Close Encounters theme. That was... <laughs> <laughs> But yes, it is. That was the improv theme for games, and uh, this week's game is called Franchise Wars: The Wrath Uh-oh. of Doc Brown. Oh my gosh! Doc I'm Brown. so stressed. I'm so stressed and excited. Now, okay, so the theme of this game is sci-fi franchises, okay. um, and so I'm going to read. I'm going to read the. I, I have this is. I've had a lot of fun putting this game together. I have a positive and a negative review for one movie from a popular sci-fi franchise. I have that for about nine different movies. So okay. I'm going to I'm gonna read the positive review first, and you have to guess what the franchise film that I'm talking about is. If you can't get it, I'll read the negative review, but I'll read it anyway, because much like Interstellar, not every movie gets perfect reviews, uh, with the exception of one movie that I was thinking I could choose, but it had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I couldn't choose that. What movie was that? Uh, well, I'll, I can't get to that Half one, because it'll, it'll make sense later. Um, but so I'm going to read the positive review. I might use a blank every now and then because it gives it away okay. too easily. But here we go. And Wait, do we have to buzz in? Yes, you have to buzz, just... so you have to you have to buzz in by saying your name first and then the answer. Got so it. whoever says their name first is the one that I'll you know listen to for the answer. All right. And and feel free to interrupt me anytime. Okay. Here's the first one. A magnificent film. Blank set out to make the biggest possible adventure fantasy out of his memories of serials and older action epics, and he succeeded brilliantly. Scott. Yeah. Star Wars? Star Wars is the correct... I made uh, that one easy on purpose. That was the... Okay. You don't, don't, don't need to hesitate. Uh, the, the negative review was, there is no breather in the picture, no lyricism. The only attempt at beauty is in the double sunset. <laughs> oh, well, that would have given that way. I tried to pick the harshest negative reviews possible on the way for that, for that latter part. Double sunset is pretty nice. Okay, here's the next one. Some of these have, like, hints, obviously, so you'll, you'll see. Back in 1968, the sci-fi directed by Schaffner and penned by Wilson and Sterling was original, quite intelligent, and well-executed, garnering a special Oscar for makeup. Ali? Uh, Ali? Uh, Planet of the Apes? Planet of the Apes is the correct answer. The uh, negative review is, A dreadful film, a compodium of clumsy dialogue, one-dimensional characters, risable plot turns, and long silences broken by incomprehensible, meaningful looks. <laughs> Incomprehensible, meaningful looks. I see this. I, it makes me <laughs> feel better awesome. as a person that loved Interstellar. It makes me feel better to read negative reviews of movies that everyone loves. <laughs> 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 Here's the next one. And remember, these apply to the whole franchise, so it could be any movie in the franchise, not necessarily the first one. Just to, gotcha. Okay. There is something comfortable, even old shoeish, about the new film. A sense of appropriate, a, a sense appropriate to its theme of coming to terms of middle age that all. That are that all aboard are pleasurably rediscovering in their best selves. Uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. That is the correct answer. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, the negative one: the merely curious are warned. If blank, if Star Trek showed little of the Enterprise in the cult TV series, this sequel is, t- is at times a flat-out con job. 
He nailed it there. I think I've read that exact review of Star Trek Into Darkness. As well. A lot of the negative ones are mostly for uh, the, from the New York Observer, actually. <laughs> I noticed that I was getting the same like curmudgeon about the same movies. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, Blank is one of the best popcorn movies ever made. It's ingenuity, time-traveling twist-ups, and wonderfully vibrant Holly. character. Yep. Back to the Future. Back to the Future is the correct answer. And that critic line was from, actually, friend of the show, Randy Schaefer, Scott. So there you go. Woo! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, the negative review. It's big, cartoonish, and empty with an interesting premise that is underdeveloped and under overproduced. That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard, Scott. <laughs> Here's the next one. Here's the next one. The monster itself is still one of the flat-out scariest ever designed for the movies. Ollie. Yeah. Alien. Ollie's crushing it, guys. You wow. got hey, to get on this board. Yeah, I know. I was like, hmm. The uh, negative. I told you I've been practicing. An empty, <laughs> an empty-headed horror movie with nothing to recommend it beyond the disco-inspired art direction and some handsy, if gimmicky, cinematography. <laughs> Against Alien. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. The effects are astonishing. It's funny, it's dark, it's smart, it's filled with guns, lots of guns, a landmark film, and quite possibly the ultimate expression of cyberpunk. Uh, Scott. I, I heard Scott rumbling first, yep. Uh, the Matrix? The Matrix is the correct answer. Yeah. yeah. There's, here's the negative. There's not much humor to keep it all life-size, and by the final stretch, it's become a bloated, mechanical, and tiresome. Okay, here's the next one. A thrill ride worthy of a real-life amusement park. Ollie. Yep. Yeah. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is the correct answer. Whoa! I, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, thought, right. I thought that was one of the more obscure ones too. Now here it says there's more soul to be found in a, any Kong close-up than this film's overplayed reactions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the next one. Uh, two more. A dazzling movie from the Walt from Walt Disney in which computers have been used to make themselves romantic and glamorous. Here's a technological sound and light show that is sensational and brainy, stylish, and fun. Scott. Yeah. Tron? Tron is the correct answer. Wow. Ooh, that was good. Here's a, here's I am good. dead in the water here. Here's the negative. <laughs> Seeing it is like spending two hours in a hardware store gussied up with streamers and flashing lights. It's different, but it's not entertainment. <laughs> I would love Tron to be in a hardware review. store with yeah. streamers and lights. <laughs> Who doesn't love going to your pastime ace? I struggled, I struggled with choosing Tron or Tron Legacy, but I do Tron at higher reviews. So <laughs> Here's the last one. Perhaps a bit clumsy in the lumbering middle act, but Blank delivers the goods when it comes to pulse-pounding car chases and stunts. Ali? Ali? Mad Max? Mad Max is the correct yeah. answer. And the other uh, review, Mad Max is ugly and incoherent and aimed probably accurately at the most uncritical of moviegoers. <laughs> uh, the Road Warrior was the 100%er that I was going to choose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Road Warrior. Which emphasizes how great the Road Warrior is. <laughs> There's no negative reviews on it. <laughs> um, for some, I think Ali won that game uh, pretty strong, but Scott put up quite a fight as well. So good job, guys. Good job. Uh, yeah. I do have a sub game just because. I, uh -oh. I thanks for uh, thanks for letting us win on that one, Abe. <laughs> I honestly had no answers for it. You guys are just really good on the buzzer. I got a quick game too for just in case there was a tie, but this is a fun game. It's taglines. Yes. These are movie taglines from sci-fi movies, and so I just have four of these here. So you know, no points to be. This is just for, this is for funsies game. So here we go. Funsies. Uh, this one is, he's got a lot of time on his hands. Ollie. Yeah. Back to the future? Nope. Ooh. Oh. God, that took my tongue. Very recent. Well, fair oh. Oh. Uh, Scott? Yeah. About time? Nope. Abe, anything, or I'll just read it? Uh, read it. Wally. Ah! Oh, uh. that's not as recent as I was thinking. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Next one, Enter the World. Um, that's it. <laughs> Enter, the, Enter if it, the if you know what the movie is, it makes it yeah. 
Uh, Avatar. Avatar is the correct answer. Yes. Uh, but no points. No points. <laughs> he's afraid. I was gonna say Fern Gully, but no. Touche. He's afraid. He's totally alone. He's three million light years from home. Uh, that's oh um, Scott. Yep. E.T.? E.T. is the correct answer. Oh, yeah. And the last one, which is easily the best tagline, one of the best taglines in general, where you are the endangered species. Ha, 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 Yep. Uh, Congo. Congo is the correct answer. Congo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I still think, of, you know, all seriousness, one of the best sci-fi taglines is still from I Am Legend. The last man on Earth isn't alone. Yeah, that's a good one, too. That was a good one, yeah. Even, I would argue for Aliens vs. Predator, whoever wins... <laughs> we lose. That's a great we lose. That's yeah, a great it's one. accurate. It's, a, it's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it's accurate in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, that, that was fun, guys. That was games. Um, right. So yeah, let's move on now. Let's get to Out Now Presents What's Out Now. These are new movies coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Uh, we have a number here, actually. We've got a lot of stuff. Uh, so I'll just go through it. How to Train Your Dragon 2. All right, go. go Yay. See yes. Awesome. Uh, Jersey Boys. Jersey not Boys. Awesome. Not awesome. Not, right. not no. so good. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, so good. Tammy. Eh, not so good. Liked it. Scott begrudgingly liked it. I didn't hate it. I, I think it's the best of the Melissa McCarthy comedies that have come out recent so far. Um, not as far as her in the starring role goes. Right. Not say Vincent. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. We're bridesmaids. Um, Let's Be Cops. Which is <laughs> see that one. Yeah. Watch Twenty Two Jump Street instead. Yeah, do that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, Mood Indigo. This was um, Michelle Gondry's latest film, which is all right. I, I I like the actors in it. I'll put it that way. And the vi- I mean, visually, it's always you know Michelle Gondry does his thing. Let's see. I just wanted to mention this. UHF gets a special collector's edition release this week. The Weird Al film from the eighties. Let's see. True Blood, the final season. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Is that the tagline? Yeah, it's terrible. Star Wars, The Clone Wars, The Lost Missions. Heard that the Clone Wars TV animated series is really good. It's it awesome. is pretty good. Yeah. Okay. In yeah. some ways, it is the best Star Wars anything. I agree with that. I, I really like that last... Uh, I mean, I like a lot of the Clone Wars. I mean, in general, I like that show. But yeah, that, that last like special selection of it. Like, I, I never wanted to like kind of bur- purge my way through this series more than... Uh, than I did with the Lost Missions that just like appeared on Netflix all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, cool. And I just watched all of it really quickly. Yeah, that's a good day. And uh, and lastly, Batman, the complete TV series. This is the Adam oh, West Batman TV oh, series oh, with Brian oh, Burt Ward. Never heard of it. Yes, it's the Fox one. It comes to Blu-ray this week in a massive collector's edition set. Uh, I've been championing this since I heard the announcement. I was at the Comic-Con panel for it because I just can't wait to get this thing. And they, there's a clip online I might put in the show notes where it's, it shows the restoration. Pro- it shows the kind of a split screen of both the broadcast version and the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray looks amazing for this Batman set. Yeah, I'm sure the DVD probably looks good too, but the Blu-ray is so look good, look good, look good. Look. Mine shipped during this podcast. There you go. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so yeah, that's all coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming this week. Uh, next week's show, uh, Abe, we're talking about Birdman. Yeah. And Saving Christmas, right? And <laughs> yeah. 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 Come on. Yes. We love, yeah, we love Kirk Cameron. He, Kirk Classic, that's what I call him. <laughs> Kirk Classic. Uh, two K's, right? <laughs> two K's, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah Birdman. I mean, how could you not love it with that poster of him just swinging in a candy cane? I'm trying I'm trying to get some I'm trying to get a guest I've been wanting to get on the show for a while, so we'll see about that. But if it doesn't happen, we'll get some other loser. I'm kidding. Well whoever we have on will be fun because I like having guests on the show. We'll be on, we lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's happening. 
Uh, last thing, um, with a little mod to it, um, I'm going to ask you guys, what should people go see now, and what do you guys plan to see next? Mm. So what should people go into your theaters right you now? You should go see Interstellar, even though we talked about it as a main one, and I, I generally don't like to repeat, but it's it's pretty thought-provoking and pretty good. And what am I going to see next? I'm probably going to go see Big Hero 6 next. Ali? Um, if you haven't seen Birdman and um, you want to get caught up in time for uh, next week's podcast, check that out. Um, I I liked it, and I think anyone who um, is following the superhero genre will will find something to enjoy in that film. Oh, and um, I'm going to go see Big Hero 6 as well. I didn't see it this weekend. I, I kind of got sleepy today. Scott? Um, see John Wick while you still can. See Nightcrawler while you still can. Uh, see Birdman and Whiplash if they happen to come to a theater near you. Those are four of the best films of the year. Agreed. Um, as far as what I'm going to see next, if I can get a sitter, I'm going to see Annie on Tuesday. What are we seeing this week, Aaron? <laughs> uh, we got that, that that thing. Wild. We're seeing Wild. We're in Wild. We're seeing Dumb and Dumber 2. The Doom Ring. I think, I think that's it for the week. Yeah. Um, I would yeah. say I would say see Nightcrawler, um, see Big Hero 6. I mean, as much as I'm like... I'm not, even, I'm not lukewarm on Big Hero 6. It's just I see, it, it's, it's like a week where where I like I like Interstellar too much and I didn't like Big Hero 6 enough in comparison to the rest of the <laughs> to the majority it seems. Um but with that said I do like Big Hero 6 quite a bit and I recommend it for sure. Um and yeah as far as what I'm going to see next um I got a Veterans Day is coming up guys so I'm I'm probably going to I've been wanting to watch Bridge on the River, River Kwai again for a while so I'm going to watch that. Um but yeah and get a steak just like Ron Swanson. Right, just like Ron, exactly. <laughs> now I should do that because of that. I didn't think of that. that. Yeah, that was a nice birthday gift that Leslie gives to Ron. I finally finished up season six of that show. I was slowly going through it all summer. What a wonderful show. Oh, it yeah. is. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> such a great show. show. It's a great um, and wow, did they think they were getting canceled at the end of season six. You can see that yeah. in a lot of the seasons. Yeah. Like some of the men. But yeah, that one for sure. Oh, right? I thought it was the end. <laughs> yeah. But what a uh, wonderful series finale that is now not a series finale. But with all that Parks and Recreation talk aside, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at thecodazeek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at whysoblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag beep. Uh, Ali? Uh, I write about the psychology of science fiction at brainknowsbetter.com. I also on Twitter at Olima2. And check out my podcast with my co-host, uh, Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. Scott? Forbes. Oh, that's basically Forbes. <laughs> uh, the, the, my blog is the ticket booth, I guess. But Google Forbes Scott Mendelson, and there I am. And you're on Twitter at Scott Mendelson. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Twitter at Scott Mendelson. I have a Facebook page. I have a Ticket Booth Facebook page. If you want to like it, that's awesome. Yeah? Great. Uh, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at Stitcher, as well as at hhwlod.com, where you can find all the all of our shows there, along with other fun shows about comics and TV and cool stuff like that. You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com, as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Well, feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on Interstellar and um, whatever else you might have seen lately. You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash podcast or tweet us at twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And, of course, you can follow our Tumblr page, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com. You can also feel free to uh, send us a voicemail at 972-798-3830. You can let us know your thoughts in audio form, and we'll be happy to play it on the show. And, uh, yeah, Scott, what were you saying? I was saying in terms of what to see, I completely forgot. Step Up All In just came out on Blu-ray. Damn, damn straight. And it's oh, awesome. Yeah. 
the whole series is generally awesome. And judging by the box office, you probably didn't see it in theaters. So <laughs> make amends. My copy just shipped while we were. <laughs> but yes, Scott, Ali, thank you both for joining us. Thank today you guys. Great discussion. That was fun. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having us. That also, was a great discussion about M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan. I really yeah. like that. That'd be fun. I mean, that'd be fun to revisit, like, the next time there's, like, an M. Night Shyamalan film or if we want to do, like, a commentary for one of his films or something. Yeah. But, yeah, for the time being, thank you both for coming on again. Thank Thanks, you, guys. listeners, for joining us and listening to our discussion about Interstellar and all this other stuff we talked about today. And until we talk about Birdman next week, that's going to do it. So, so long. And goodbye. <laughs> going same goody sam sam goody sam goody yeah when Man, you didn't... i haven't seen that guy in such a long time he used to shop at the what 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 what, what warehouse but uh, oh yeah i remember that yeah. two stores that nobody knows anything <laughs> about yeah i'm trying to throw in a tower record <laughs> joke but i can't figure it out i was trying to get the suncoast video joke in there <laughs> <laughs> by the way um, I didn't necessarily guess things that were going to happen in this movie, but every time they mentioned Gargantua, the black hole, it felt like Morgan Freeman tagging the autopilot in Dark Knight Rises. Like, okay, at some point, <laughs> someone, someone's <laughs> finding a new black hole in this movie, because they keep tagging. No autopilot. Like, Event Horizon, in that I kind of hoped the third act would turn out like that, even though I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> um... <laughs> would have been scary. Yeah, yeah it would. Uh, yeah. IMAX? Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting to crap my pants in this movie. <laughs> We're leaving. <laughs>